God Almighty. Great I am. Say some Prescott Valley words for that. What's that mean? What does that mean to you? God is. It almost feels like preaching is dumb now after that. That's awesome. So what? God is faithful even when I'm not. What else? Tell me about God. God is trustworthy. What's that? How can what? How can you contain him? This is the God that like took a sea and, and parted it. He could move the mountain, right? Move the mountains. Make the stars in the sky. And then we, we doubt he could help us today with something really stupid and simple, right? Like, yeah. Let's pray. Father, man, you are. I just pray that whatever you'd have me say from these scriptures, that it would just keep pointing back to you and, and you would make us a people that's just more and more dependent on you. Holy Spirit, teach us and, and convict us and comfort us and, and draw us near you, no matter where we are now, that you keep drawing us closer and that we would just live in constant communion with you, I pray. Amen. Hopefully what I share here can keep, keep going with this, but grab your Bibles. We're, we're going through our study of the book of John. And Bob, just for you today, man, I'm taking on a big chunk, three verses. What do you think about that? So yeah, we're, we're not in a hurry, per se. So grab your Bible, John chapter 2. Let me start this way. So let's just read this to begin with, verse 23. Now when he was in Jerusalem. Okay, let's pause. Remember where we just came from. Jesus called some of his first disciples. They went up to Cana, right? On the way there, they picked up some more friends, taking walks, making friends, got to a wedding. Jesus performed his first miracle, which was at the wedding, water into wine. Then it says him and, him and the family and the disciples went over to the beach probably, right? So, and then they, they went for Passover up to Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem, right? Which was one of the pilgrimage festivals, uh, feasts that happened. All the Jews converged in Jerusalem. So now when he was in Jerusalem, that's why they're there for Passover, at the Passover feast. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. What's, like a, what's a sign? Something you don't expect. Yeah, maybe something miraculous or supernatural it could be. And, and they had a lot of prophecy pointing to, hey, when, when the rescuer, the savior, the anointed one, the Messiah comes, there's lots of things he's going to do. And Jesus is constantly fulfilling these prophecies. So they saw him do miraculous things, and it says, what did they do? They believed. They probably believed what? 
they believe the signs. They're like, okay, yeah, he is this guy, right? He is this guy that they were promised. He's someone powerful. Maybe some of them thought he was a, a great teacher. Others believed he was the Messiah that had been promised. Verse 24, it says this interesting thing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. And why? Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. And it's just at the end of that chapter. And the next section... And if you, look at, if you look out there, it does make sense that Jesus would say this and it transitions into him meeting a man named Nicodemus and, and God reads this guy, or Jesus reads this guy like a book, right? So this fact that he knows us, knows the heart of man, uh, we'll see that in play soon. But let me, let me pull out this piece. What, what it says here that I found fascinating and caused me pause to pray about and meditate on a little bit here was that Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he knew what was in man. What's that mean to you? He knew what was in man. So if you're new here, I, I'm, it's not rhetorical questions. I really want answers to. I want help. What, what was in man? What's that? Grievous sin? Yeah, grievous sin. Yeah, what else? Someone said rebellion. Maybe not trusting. Not trusting. What else? Selfishness. They just wanted the miracles, right? They wanted those rushes of emotion or experiences. Yeah. Impatient. They want it right away. Deceitful hearts. Yeah. You know, I, I, what I see this is, what I find this to be fascinating, and I'll, uh, I'm going to put my words here, and then I've got some scripture. What's fascinating is the older I'm getting and the more I study, not only the scriptures, but, but people, and, and with that, you're getting constant, constantly bombarded with psychological and, and behavioral sciences that, that come our way, and physical sciences. And what's fascinating is the downfall of man is, is often the perversion of good things. Okay? Well, what do you mean, Will? Would it surprise you to know that, that science, okay, I know, asterisks, whatever. Science has found that, duh, you like sugar, your brain needs it, okay? Just not as much as you, you take in. Caffeine, fat, proteins, from a biological standpoint, yes, your body needs that, but we go too far, okay? Uh, you, you were created to belong and to have connection and, and fellowship, not only with people, but with God, right? No wonder you want that. You were created to be secure and confident as a son and daughter in God. No wonder that we struggle with insecurity and identity. You, you were created uh, for physical touch. No wonder you want that. Sex was given to you for a purpose, including pleasure. No wonder you want that. And it's the perversion of those things and the instability of man. So in turn, we get gossipy, we get fearful, we get vindictive, we get selfish, we get hungry, we get hangry, we get tired, we get addicted, we get scared. We pervert all those good things and they become destructive. 
Okay, we on the same page? Do what I say so far out of my mouth sound like a lie or sound true? Okay. So when I read that, it's like, Lord, I see that you knew that about people. Okay? I'm not that smart, but I'm starting to see that too. I mean, not just starting, but I think I'm starting to come to grips. That stuff is in me and it's in you. And when we interact together, there's an awareness that like, as much as I love you, you're still all those things. And as much as you love me, and even if you change my first name to pastor, I'm still a lot of those things. God willing, I'm learning and growing. Right? And the best you can do is have the impulse and not go with it. That Be led by the spirit instead of by the flesh. So here you go. Here's the scripture so you don't think we're just, this is just a, a TED talk for you about humanity, okay? Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, right? We're starting to list some of the stuff we were just talking about. Okay. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And what this is saying is in you, there's this potential, right? Because you are in this body and you have all these things going on, there is this, there's this kind of pull. This is what our enemy uses, Satan, the world, and all of that. They play on these. And they convince us to do the wrong things, to destroy ourselves and the other people around you. Do you see that? But it's really a perversion because you were made to have a good time, right? But not that good of a time, right? You, you, science starts to say things like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's good for you to celebrate or to remember. Oh, I see why God did that and had a festival where everyone came. I, I get that. Hey, you know, hey, maybe a half a glass of wine is good because of the different, you know, nutrients in there, but half of one of those 30-gallon containers would not be good for you. Do you, do you understand what's happening, okay? You, you and your spouse having sex, loving one another, a great thing. You and some dude you met in the back of a car, not a good thing for you, okay? And then let me, let me go a little further. Let me give you another scripture, Ephesians 4. And this is kind of what we're practicing here. This is, what, this is why you came this morning. This is my job. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, right? And here's what I'm trying to do. To equip the saints, that's you guys, for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. This is what we're, this is what we're up to. You don't have to be amazing for Jesus to save you. The great and almighty God, he's done that. But once he has saved you, he's got you on a journey towards what, what the writer of Ephesians, right, we believe Paul is telling these early Christians. I want you to grow to mature manhood, and here's why. To the measure of the fullness of the status of Christ. You're going to become like Christ. And when you become like Christ, verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
why did you bring this up? Well, I'm glad that you asked me that question. Good question, Jake. So really what, what the reality is this, and this is what Jesus knew, and this is what he was trying to say, okay? Now, now what I have here is a ball, right? It's, it's a sphere. It's, it's known for not staying put, right? It's no, yeah, it's known for, it's not very stable. So if I decide, you know, hey, I'm going to try to, Stand on this thing, right? I'm going to try to... Yeah, yeah. If you could help me out, this will, this will be good. I, I do my own stunts. So if I decide to stand on this thing, this would be a bad... I'm not going to do it. But this would be a very bad idea. This would be a very bad idea. Okay? I would say so. So really, that, that's Will's terms of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus knew all that stuff about you and I. You see? Because I'm a lot like this ball. I know, round. Yeah, but that's not what I was talking about. I also very unstable, right? Uh, I'm very unstable. And so Jesus did not rely on them because if he, if he put all his weight on them, it would be very, right, like unstable. He couldn't, he couldn't count on these people, even though they seemed excited about the miracles he was doing. Even though they seemed excited by the miracles that he was doing. So there's a first, maybe it's a side thought, but I think it's so helpful because as, as, okay, as a man and husband and father and Christian and pastor called, all those, these are some of my roles, right? Um, and friend and son, I'm called to live a life after Christ that in, in many ways will make me stand out from other people. It'd be weird, Right? And my, I'm hoping that's good weird, but sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes it's my dysfunction. But, but in that good weird, what I've found is I can love all people, but I can't count on all of them. And I think Jesus right here, just, this is just a, a note to the Christians out there that, that I think Jesus was masterful about this. And as we become more like him, I think we'll begin to understand when we deal with each other, there is, there is something about if two men walk, you know, how are they going to go the same way, right? They're going to be walking together is this idea. As we, as we walk together, we begin to know each other, okay? If you know me, you might come to me for a lot of advice. How to style your hair is not one of those, right? Or, or gain six-pack abs. You, you just know that about me. I'm imperfect. I'm flexible. I'm going to be like, let's get a cheeseburger, and you're gonna, that's not going to help my abs. Um. And you're like, oh, I want to get my hair cut. Well, I'll shave it like I shave mine, right? No, that's, those things, as you know me, you know I'm an incomplete person still being worked on by, by Jesus. I am a lot like this ball. Now, as I become uh, sanctified, transformed, become more like God, I hope I'm becoming a man that more of you can count on. But the, the warning is this, I will always at some level fail you. And the more we walk this together, there'll be times you'll be like, that will. I'll be, I know. Right? I know. God's still working on me. And when I, when I receive the fullness of Christ, as I'm growing into that, I won't move and shake so much. Okay, so there's, there's that first piece. Man, here's the brilliance of Jesus. He's like, yeah, I see you're excited, but I know how people work. So I love you, but I, I can't lean on you. 
So now let me take you back to verse 23 of the scripture. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, Passover feast, many believed is what it said. And here's the kind of the, the, the difficult thing because we talk about believing and it becomes confusing because then it's like, oh man, I thought I believed, but then I keep faltering, right? Or this person I know, they said they believed and now they've just disappeared. And what I've come to find is the Greek is pretty helpful here. It's pretty helpful here. Now, now the Greek word here, I'm going to say it in my Prescott Valley accent, okay? Pistuyo. I can't say that again. Pistao? Pistao? Okay. Pistao is the Greek word. I practiced it and I butchered it. Okay. Pistao. Yeah, that's right. Is, is in his name. They believed in his name when they saw the signs that what he was doing. And what's interesting about it is verse 24, what it says, but Jesus on his part did not, right, believe. Same word. Pistao. So even though we've translated it, it's actually the, the same word. Now, interesting note for you, okay? Time to geek out a little bit. If you're not, you know, you're not trained in this, like I'm not trained in this. But to do this research, it's actually a verb here. And, and yes, it does mean to believe or also to be persuaded of or to place confidence in or trust. So here's where it's difficult. This same word in the Greek language could, use, could be used for a wide variety of things. From the simple, like, I have an intellectual, intellectual acknowledgement. Like, I believe in Bigfoot, right? You would use that word. Or, or unicorns, right? But it would be the same word that you would put personal trust in. I, I believe in my wife to be faithful. Like, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, right? It's the difference between I believe in a, a unicorn as opposed to, no, I'm putting my trust in that unicorns are real. I'm selling my house, all my assets. I'm getting a plane and going to go find one. Do you understand that? It's the same word. So no wonder when, when you're like, oh yeah, I believe. Okay, do you really? Do you believe as far as like, I make an intellectual acknowledgement that I think this is true? Or is it, I have put my personal trust in? So let that sit for a second. I mean, you start to think about all the scripture you've poured over that's been translated from, from Greek to English. And every time you see that believe word, and sometimes you'll see words like entrust, and it's, it's that word too. So what do we do with that? Kind of a cool thing that I found I want to share with you. Verse 23, when it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in. And those two words, right? There's two words. The first word is what we saw before, the same word for believe. And then the second word is E-I-S, ice. And when you put those two words together, right? Just like, just like Chris, ice. When you put those two words together, what it means is believe in. Like, I believe in Bigfoot. 
It's an intellectual acknowledgement. So often what it's saying is I believed in his name. What's, what's that mean? So they saw these miracles, and what they did, they said what? Oh, this guy's special. This guy's special. I believe in his name. I believe he is something special. But then you go on, and there's another way that we find this. And obviously, this might be something to take notes, and you can take a look, guys. And, and there's lots of cool resources. I think if you're someone who's studying the Bible, we can get real caught up on translations. But one of the really neat things about the internet, as much as it can be used for, for evil and wrong, there's also a huge benefit because you can look at some of the original language and find out what it's saying. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do that. So there's a story in Acts 16, and it uses the same, the same believe word, but it has a different word after it, which gives it a completely different meaning. So let me tell you this one. Acts 16, verse 30. And if you've, if you've studied this before, there's uh, Paul and, and Silas, they're, they're sharing about God, they're arrested, they're put in jail, and this is the story of how they witness to a jailer, and he and his whole family come to faith in Jesus. So verse 30 says this, then he, and that's this Philippian jailer, brought them, Paul and Silas, out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in Is this too, is this melting your mind? You guys okay? So we'll just take a deep breath real quick. So what they're saying is, believe in. Now you'll notice here, it doesn't, the second word for in here is not ice this time, the E-I-S. It's E-P-I, and that word is epi. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. Now, anytime you see this, okay, and obviously this is stuff that you guys might not use on a regular basis, but, but trust me, go with me. I'm getting to my point that I need to share with you, okay? So anytime you see this, when you see epi after that, then what it means is upon or on or at or before. So really what it's saying is, as in those guys, when they saw Jesus' miracles, they made an intellectual determination that this was true, that he is special. On the other hand, the jailer and his family, they believed on Jesus. Once again, that is, that is a verb which instead means like, I trust in, I surrender to, I grab on. Do you see the subtle difference? Yet how huge that difference is. Believe in, believe on. So like, that's one thing about Corey. He's one of the few guys I know that can pick me up. But he's picked me up before, and like, I can go into it. I, I, I don't think his back will break. I can trust in. As in this thing, like Jesus said, I know what's in them. I know how shaky they are, how back and forth they can be. However, Jesus is saying, once you believe on me, then you're basically like, yeah, right? And you're ju- you jump on, and you know that he's not going anywhere. Right? It's like, it's like that constant illustration of faith. It's like, I know this chair will hold me, so I'll put my weight on it. 
right? Like, I'll, I'll jump on it, man. I, I know. And that's, what, that's what's happening here with Jesus is they're like, he's like, can we be saved? How can we be saved? And basically, Paul and Silas are like, dude, check this out. It's not going to be easy, okay? I know right now you're thinking, okay, Jesus is the Messiah. Not enough. What you're called to do is to believe on him. Will you just latch on, man? Believe on him. Let me give you another scripture where it appears like this. Matthew 27, 42. Here they are, right? All these people watching Jesus be crucified. Verse 42, they said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and then we will believe on him. Like, if this dude can get off that cross, like something special about this guy, but if I saw him get off the cross, then I'm throwing it all down, man. I'm, I'm on it, right? I'm on, right? I'm just... I'm on. I'm believing on Jesus. All that. That's something probably better done in a classroom. I get that. Giving you Greek, Hebrew. But I think what's hugely important is if you and I are going to live in community with one another, and be, be believers who constantly search ourselves. We have to understand there's a potential. There's a potential in us because of how back, let me grab this back, how back and forth that we can be, right? That when we believe in something, it's very easily to be shaken. It's easily to be shaken out of us. And what does this look like? Well, I believe in you, God, but my circumstance isn't going so well, right? I... I Sure, I, I trust you with my kids, but it's not going well right now, right? And I think every honest person would say, man, I have, I have been there. And I don't know why I'm struggling so much, because I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. You guys felt that? And here's the awesome thing about the grace of God. Jesus knows that about you and I, and he loves us anyway. Because that's always where it starts, right? You believe in something. And if you get to the point where you believe in something enough to give it a try, that's where you learn to believe on something. So from this little section of scripture, rather than just jumping forward, I thought this was important enough to stop because what I, what I want to present to you for your consideration, for your prayer, for your discussion, is this idea that I, I see often, even us who, who believe in Jesus, we, we end up believe, believing in Jesus and believing on other things. Let me say a little bit more about that. This is how a person, this is how the uh, Western Christian lives, right? Because we, we often uh, make these intellectual determinations on things. 
and then we compartmentalize that piece and then the spiritual piece of our life. And so, yes, I believe in God. I am a Christian. But what I believe on is often myself or the people around me. And it works for a little while. Like, right? Man, I, jeez, I, I, I believe in Jesus, but honestly, I'm believing on my career. But then you get about 55, right? And they don't, then your, your company restructures and they hire some 20-year-old, right? And then they lay you off, right? Or, or the, the economy shifts or whatever, right? Like, or yeah, I used to sell this widget. Now they make a better widget. Oh, oh, I used to have this, but now they make a robot that does this. Oh, right? I believe in Jesus, but I believe on my spouse. Well, guess what? People fail you and they die and they get sick. And no matter what you do about it, when you drive away here, you don't have to do anything wrong and someone can hit you with their car and you're done. So if everyone around you is believing on you, they're screwed, okay? I, you know, I, I believe in you, Jesus, but I believe on, on myself, my ability. Well, same thing applies, man. What happens when you fail? Because I am all over the place. I try to consider myself a good person. My poor wife and kids, my emotions right? My feelings. Like, oh, that's like, Brandy's like, yeah, you say I'm the best wife in the world right now, but wait till tomorrow. And that's kind of how it is, right? She's just like, oh, she doesn't know what she's going to get. But Jesus knew that. And God knew that. And that is why Jesus is the rescuer and the savior, because he is the one that all of us who are back and forth, he becomes the one we can count on. The one that can hold us. But it's not that easy. It's not that easy. So my challenge to you, homework if you will, or challenge, or, you know. Would be this. I have to tell you the truth. God created all the earth. All the plants. All the animals. All the people. All the water. He's creating all the clouds. He has all the planets, all the stars, all the galaxies. He's created that. And it's all operating a certain way under his control. And of all the things he created, only one thing he created in his image, and that was man. And a male and female, he created them. And the last thing that he created was woman. So, yeah, I get that, right? Uh, uh, so, yeah, he's like, yes, this is very good. Okay, so he finishes with that. He made us to live in community with him, in fellowship with him, in a perfect environment to live forever. And he said, do you want to stay there? You're just going to have to believe on me. The food I give you, I give you. Every breath you have, I give you. Every person 
you encounter, I give you. So trust me. Oh, we trust you. Okay, if you trust me, eat of all the trees, but not that one. Mm. I believe in you, God, but right now I'm believing on my belly that I want to try this fruit, right? So they try that, and since then, man, it's this spiral effect, and now people all over the place are like, it started with us being like, wait a second, we're naked and God's mad. Right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And since then, then they have kids, and then the one kid gets jealous of the other kid, and he kills him, and then they're freaking out, and they're trying to get along, and they're like, you know, we're getting so good at this. Forget God. Let's build a tower, and we'll go hang out with them. And then he separates them. Da, 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 da. And then his people are like praising him, and they're believing on their nation. And then he puts them in captivity, and then he parts the sea and kills all the firstborn in Egypt. You see, just again and again and again. We're just like, blue, 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 blue. And then still, now, we get so puffed up in who we are, so confident in our abilities, when what the Bible's calling us to is to humble ourselves before God and to believe on him. So this is what I'm inviting you to, to be a follower of Christ. And it looks like this, acknowledging that, man, I am all over the place at times. At my best, sometimes I feel pretty good about what I'm doing, but at my worst, man, I can be all over the place. Maybe not as bad as I used to be, but not where I want to be. And the good news is Jesus. You see, God loved you and me so much that he came down from his reign in heaven, and he he humbled himself to the point where he became not just a man, but a, a, a humble man. And even though he did nothing wrong and didn't deserve it, and even though he could have said he was entitled to all the benefits of this earth, he took none of them, and he died an awful death. And he did all of that for you and me while we still wanted nothing to do with him. And what's better is, like, he keeps coming for you. Even when you're not doing the right thing. Well, what do we do, Will? It's, well, it's like, I think Paul and Silas said it best, like, Stop. Just stop. If you want to be saved, if you want to live, believe on the name of Jesus. Well, I don't know, Reggie, that's going to be easy, right? Believe on. I could do that. Yeah, check. No, 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 no. Everything, everything, every aspect, every ounce of your life, you have to grab onto him. and do it his way. And every area of your life you do that with, watch what he does. Every area you jump off and you try to take care of it yourself, it's going to look a lot like this, right? Right? Down you go. So I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And I just want you to really think about, pray about, study about, journal about, talk to the other people or 
around you about this week. What does that mean? How do I believe on Jesus? Maybe that's even the wrong question. Like, but what is it? You have to be able to look at your life and just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, search me and know me and show in me the ways in which I'm not believing on you. Because with all due, compa- all due compassion, guys, to you, in our language, it almost could seem a little cruel where it's like, just believe in Jesus. I do. Well, I believe in him. And it's not going great. All my circumstances aren't going right. And then what do they think? Something's wrong. Because the truth is, we never should have said believing in him was what it took. It's believing on him. I don't think you just do that in one day. I don't want to sound like the pastor who's trying to guess everyone's problems, but I mean, let's, but let's just see that. In this room, you've got teenagers, man, and what, what you guys have to do to believe on Jesus can look very different than somebody who's 70. In a lot of ways, the food and stuff, but I mean, you know, school and, and uh, you're, some of you are driving in the early stages of driving and, you know, dating and what am I going to do with my future? What, I'm, what am I going to do when I grow up? And, and, you know, what about my parents and my family of origin as opposed to the family I'm, I'm becoming? There's a lot to just trust on God in. And then those who are young parents. Anyone who had kids, you remember the first night they laid in the crib and you walked away? And you heard the horror story, right? You know the horror story of the baby that doesn't wake up. And you're, you're like, if you're not trusting on God, you're scared to death. And they get a little older and then you take them to school and their little backpack is bigger than them. You drop them off. That's a whole new thing. And then if you're married, like to trust your life into somebody else, if God's not in that, good luck to you. And then it gets crazy. Then you give that kid a bomb that goes like 100 miles an hour. Keys to that thing and they drive away and you sit there in the living room and you think, uh, right, right? And then they go get married, Josh. And then they, you, they leave and you're like, trusting God on that. And then, right, and then you start, you're starting to age and then whether you like it or not, you get humbled because your hip's hurting, right? And like your hair's falling out and it's turning gray and like all the people are calling you sir who used to call you dude. And then everything gives you cancer, so you're going to deal with that, right? Am I going to die? And then they tell you your heart's doing this, and your lungs are doing this, and your kidneys are doing this, and you got to trust on God. And then people you know start dying, and then you got to trust on God. And then your kids are doing you got to trust on God. And it's just, it's so simple, but so hard. But what if we as a people just did this, like, trust on God, right? Like, oh, man. Like, he's so good, Chris. Like, we got to talk about all the, and, and not just Egypt. Because, I mean, honestly, Egypt doesn't mean anything to me, but lots of things in my life do. And Chris, and Evelyn's about to have a daughter to get married. That's crazy, right? And Sue, trust on God. 
Reggie, trust on God. And you guys, man, trying to figure out life. What am I going to do? Where am I going? Trust on God. And not just in Him. Don't trust on you and in Him. Trust on Him. And do what He says. I mean, this year we've done like, what, six funerals I've been part of and like a thousand surgeries, okay? All of those are trust on God moments. And that's where, that's where it happens, man. That's where we become God's people, where pretty soon, like, we're, we don't look like this so much. Pretty soon we know that we're in the world and so we can't necessarily trust on our body, but we get our, but with the Lord we get our footing and we're like, And then you become the person that seems so unshaken that people are like, what's weird about you? Yeah. Like, I'm still a mess, but even so, God has proven to me again and again. Even though I did this, God did that. Let's pray. Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you because every failure and every success you know, is, is overcome by your power and your goodness and your forgiveness and your mercy. Lord, teach us what it is to believe on you. Change our way of thinking. So Lord, I ask you, please just take this time. We're going to play just instrumentally for a little while, Lord, and, and just create some time to speak to your children and like just call them to you to trust on you. So, Lord, I pray that you would have your way with us, have your way in me, have your way in my family, have your way in my church family and all my friends here. Have your way in the hearts of all the people listening to this.